I keep forgetting every time I'm editing to actually put like the music in when it's not a full episode. Yeah, I noticed that you don't put anything in. Anymore. Oh, do we have a music for? We that? have like we have a short version. Yeah, it's like do 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 Welcome to How Do You Engineer, your engineering podcast where we know how to code and you don't. I'm a host, Peter Martin. I'm a host, Abby Desjardins. I'm a host, Sam Whitmel, and I, I'm not sure we can assume that. <laughs> I, know. I think I think we might have a higher than average percentage of listeners who know how to code. Probably. If you're small, I code better than you. <laughs> <laughs> Pete codes better than children. That's yes. that's his claim to fame. It's on my it's on my CV. <laughs> better than an eight year old. Maybe. <laughs> I imagine, I'm imagining Pete walking into like some middle school class where they're doing tech and just like throwing down a gauntlet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll outcode any one of you kids. <laughs> I will code any of you under your tiny little desks. In Turing. I'll take you on. <laughs> in a dead language that was never really a real language. You gotta do it in COBOL, yeah. Yeah. Alright. So this week we're back in the studio sitting across from each other. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Hi. Has it? We 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 released an episode last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, but like this. Well, because of the the fluidity of time, it's been a while. We <laughs> we we, ex- we exist in a different dimension in time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, and so time flows differently here in the studio. Yeah. It's also extremely hot in our studio, so there may be some more noise than usual in this episode because doors are open and fans are on, and I'm sweaty. No, that's that's the whoosh of us moving through the fourth dimension <laughs> at a different speed. Anyway, um, just to get back on track, this week I was thinking about the concept of coding and how it relates to children insofar as when <laughs> <laughs> it's going well. Yeah. Um, a lot of products nowadays, um, especially for kids are, and are like sort of ostensibly toys, but they're really sort of geared towards education tools for little kids to learn about different concepts in engineering and science, like how to build circuits and how to code robots and programming constructs. There's little graphical coding tools that Google came out with a while ago that are built into a lot of these systems where they can sort of drag and drop structures in in programming concepts and things like that. Yeah, there's Scratch and a yeah. bunch of other graphic mm-hmm. Exactly, which, are, which are now built into these other like tools and robot platforms yeah. and programming uh Raspberry Pi style things. I think even Raspberry Pi has Scratch built in. Yeah, I think you can, and you can get things that will compile. You can compile Scratch into like a whole bunch of different things. You can put like Scratch yeah. code into Arduino, things like that. Yeah. So like recently, there was one um, little platform that came out called Cosmo with a Z that I immediately fell in love with, and they're going to take all my money. But uh, one byproduct of this was I was listening to them talk about it on a podcast, and one of the hosts sort of just dropped the whole. And also it's used to teach kids how to code because apparently that's what all things like this do nowadays because that's the thing people want to do, dot, dot, dot. And I seemed like a reasonably interesting question to address. Like do little kids, by little kids I would say probably elementary school or earlier, need to know how to code? Is that a thing that's necessary? Or like, and also to a certain extent the other aspects of what these sorts of products now appeal to them to learn in terms of like chemistry and physics and electronics and stuff like that. Like, is this something that is legitimately useful or is it just sort of a tool for parents to feel like they're making their kids better by buying them things that will enrich their life? Like used to be flashcards or stuff like that. Like, is it, is it a follow up to last generation's Lego and Meccano and chemistry sets and stuff like that? Is it just a generational change in that? Or is it something that's actually useful that they'll benefit from? 
And I guess, well, it sounds like there's two questions. The first question is, A, do we need to teach kids to code? Like, is it a requirement that the next generation, everyone's going to need to understand how computer code works? And then there's the second question is, is a product like that failing if it is not teaching kids to code? Yeah. Because um, I, I think that was part, part of the problem is not so much that there are products that teach kids the code, but it's that people feel like they can't release a cute little robot if it doesn't also have an educational purpose. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they, is, it, is it, can it not just be a toy? Does it have to have some kind of constructive thing that you can do with it? Well, I guess it depends on the price you're trying to sell it at. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, if it's a Furby, then Furbies didn't need to do anything other than make funny faces you, yeah like and they crazy the, the analogy they <laughs> <Be> made terrifying <laughs> the analogy they made for cosmo was literally furby that was the other example they had yeah but the fur like furby that's the difference being that furby just pretends to learn it just like does more complex things over time but mm-hmm. it's programmed ahead of time whereas cosmo actually learns things right and sometimes they can be reused there was a lab that i came across at one point at a university when i was doing some work there and they had in their back room a whole shelf full of those like dinosaurs that used to use neural networks for learning. They were called like some cute little name and they were like a little beige and green dinosaur and they would like learn things and look cute and stuff. I remember what I, I can visualize that. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah. We'll, we'll look it up. So and they were, it in they were the used notes. in this lab for like legit teaching purposes. Well, and they got what's your, your robot that makes you feel happy that does a little dance? Keep on. Keep on. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, that's a similar thing. It doesn't, you don't code it. But it does. Yeah, the customer-facing one is dumb. The research-facing one is smart. My, mine just you poke it and it laughs. The actual like research-based one will learn about you. Oh, okay. So that, that's so I guess that, that's a good question. Then is you you say the one that you only poke and it laughs is dumb because you can't do things behind the scenes. No, no I mean I mean like it it is not the, a dumb the circuitry product. Behind it, it. Is, in and of itself is oh, dumb. Oh, you mean it's not intelligent. <laughs> I, I thought you were, thought you were saying like you were saying it was it was failing as no, a product because the fact couldn't. that it takes 6 6 D batteries is dumb. <laughs> it's uh the wow. actual the actual robot itself is is great. You might as well just put like a big lead acid car battery in it yeah, or something. It is unintelligent. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. I, I I misinterpreted your statement. No, but I guess that's a good question though. Is does it lose value because you don't have access to the back end to be able to like make it do things? Yeah. If it's purely. Which is a great question because now that more and more people want to hack everything, mm-hmm. that's part of the reason why I think they're opening up everything because people want to see what's going on on the inside. And I would love to get myself a little Cosmo and hang out with it and play with it and make it my friend and then also hack the software to see what I can get it to do. Mm-hmm. But I'm also a professional robotics engineer. Yeah. <laughs> But, okay. Yeah, I, I guess the question is, how much is it costing them to give the, give like Cosmo the ability to teach kids to code? I, I'd probably nothing. You're transcoding from, you just got to transcode from some sort of, uh, like child friendly graphical programming language mm-hmm. to whatever its native language is. Okay. But if you can already load custom code onto Cosmo or any other robotics platform, then your, your cost of doing a, like doing a cross compiler is the only uh, barrier to you theoretically using it to teach code C- because the resources are going to be there to teach kids to code in whatever language there are a bunch of language like programming languages designed specifically for kids mm-hmm. and the resources are there to teach to code this is just adding new peripherals to that mm-hmm. so is is the act of teaching kids to code beneficial i think I, it's kind of like what you said before it's just kind of the next generation of quote-unquote like science toys for kids you know, when before it was, yeah, chemistry sets and like bottle rockets or whatever. And, and now it's coding. 
Not that chemistry sets and bottle rockets aren't still awesome. No, those are still cool. But mm-hmm. now well, there's a new quote like science, I yeah. guess. I mean, like you worked at Mastermind. Yeah. Did you see a clear deficiency in like the topics that kids at that age group could learn about based on the toys and things that were out there? There was definitely, I want to say, a price discrepancy because the more traditional toys were more toy priced, you know, sub mm-hmm. $50. And then if you wanted to do anything with programming, anything with robotics, it was in the hundreds. Yeah. I mean, Cosmo is $170 US Yeah, starting. Yeah. But I mean, that that's also just because it's the first robot with that set of the ability to learn and the ability to do these. Like it, it's, it's got a very specific set of skills mm-hmm. that previous generations didn't. But Five years ago, you couldn't buy a quadcopter for less than $300, and now you can get them for, like, 40 bucks. Yeah. Fair. So, I, I mean, that's that's just going to be a question of time. You don't have to code quadcopters. We bet. That's a interesting uh, – Maybe? Maybe, I, maybe, maybe. I don't know. But, like, is buying is buying your kid, like, a quadcopter beneficial to them any more so than buying them a robot? I don't know. It's it, It's teaching them to be – if you want your kid to be excited about technology, then that's something you could be enriching their experience with technology by buying something cool, independent yeah. of whether they learn anything mm-hmm. technical from behind the scenes. And I understand your point that like it doesn't cost them anything to add that additional functionality other than maybe some additional software development and maybe they have to do some documentation and stuff like that. And Yeah, but they could probably pick – I'll bet you a lot of educational coding languages – are rooted in some other more traditional programming language yeah. when, when they're actually compiled. Mm-hmm. And so changing what they compile into in terms of a base, like mm-hmm. what their final compiled form is, mm-hmm. wouldn't be – is probably fairly negligible compared to the cost of originally developing mm-hmm. the hardware. And presume making an assumption that they're running an OS, it's probably Linux. It probably supports some distro of Linux that has built-in support for – something that Scratch can compile to and something that C can compile to. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. It's probably all coming down to some common assembly level code. It's just a question of what it looks like when it's when you finally compile it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, that, that, that cost is negligible, in which case I would say that it's not that you have to teach kids to code, but creating a product like that that you couldn't, that your kid couldn't code, seems like you're intentionally making it less functional than it could be. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's a product that is pr- predominantly aimed at a demographic that is kids. And so giving them the option to learn about it is a value add. Mm-hmm. Again, I definitely think it comes down to the price because yeah. I wouldn't be willing to buy my kid a cute robot if it was 170 something dollars. No, I'll buy it for me. My kid's going to break it. Mm-hmm. Well, your kid's a baby. But... <laughs> well, well, yeah, but currently my kid's going to chew on it. Yeah, if, but... it's, if it's waterproof, it'd actually be pretty safe for Mori right now. Eventually, she'll probably break it. Mm-hmm. I broke all the toys that I got when I was a kid that were cool. Um, sort of. Not really. I mean, okay. like Kids are little entropy machines. Yeah. <laughs> I remember specifically that I, I got given once this really awesome helicopter thing where you'd pull a ripcord and it would get the propeller up to a really high speed then you'd release it and mm. it'd go flying up into the air. Oh, mm-hmm. I remember those. I was too anxious to wait to actually get to go outside with my dad to the park to fly it and so I flew it in the house enough times that it broke before we ever took it outside. Oh, nice. And it's that sort of thing. It's just like, like you just you want to play with it and slam it around and see what it can do and it'll fall off tables. And, well, well okay, it so actually wouldn't. But. There, there, there is, that's another good question then. Are, are there products that are not necessarily kid friendly in terms of like like cosmo is probably not 
robust enough that you would give it to like a six, like a six to eight year old and have it survive long term. Yeah. You're going to have to look like 12, 13 plus. Yeah. So gearing it towards six to eight year olds in terms of education seems like you're just shoehorning it in because everyone feels like they need to be able to teach young children to code. Yeah. Like by the time I was the age where you could really use something like Cosmo with kids, I'd already built Meccano robots and used like very simple programming tasks to get little turtles to navigate around little mazes and mm-hmm. was at the point where I was starting to get into like, how does visual basic work or not? Sorry, not key basics. Anyway. Yeah. The point being that you can actually start to legitimately teach kids real programming if they're interested, if that's something that they want to know about. But probably like probably something like Cosmo that's really expensive and really, really complex is not the platform for that. You're better off buying a really cheap Arduino. One, yeah, one of one yeah. of one of the many like kits that builds around Arduino or like there are a whole bunch of companies, uh Thimio, Thymio, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of companies that make little robots that are specifically designed for they're low cost, they're fairly robust. You could give them to kid, the kid destroys it, it's not a huge loss. Uh, and you can code them with a whole bunch of other, like you can program them with a whole bunch of languages behind the scenes. But it does all get back to the initial premise. Like even all of these things where now you can like build programming, like I've seen them on a bunch of blogs. You can build coding tasks for your kids by like piecing physical like Lego blocks together almost mm-hmm. into like little, it's almost like a physical statement, like a physical uh, flow diagram right. mm-hmm. on a table that you can like piece the things together and it actually runs a program. Oh do, man. Do we need to have these things for kids so they can learn about coding. Like like I'm I'm not okay. saying I'm for or against it, but I just would be interested in your take on why this is a thing that needs to be a thing. I need to look up. It was a product that I saw a while ago that looked fantastic. It was a it was a coding it was again it was a thing for teaching kids to code. And it was a little block robot with a smiley face on it and then you had another you had a panel that had a whole bunch of slots and you slotted in commands and there was like move forward, turn right turn left and stop or like wait. And then it had subroutine calls and, uh, and it came like one of the things you could get was like a blanket or like a sheet that went on the floor that had a whole bunch, had a grid on it with different things in different squares. And you could send your robot on missions. You'd be like, I want my robot to go to this square over here where there is like a volcano. And then I want to go over here where there's another thing on another square. Its primary goal was obviously to teach kids the concept of like the structure of programming mm-hmm. and like subroutine calls and what you might be doing. But at the same time, it was taking something that's was only marginally interesting, which is like a box with a face on it that rolls around yeah. and turning it into something that's way more engaging for a kid. You'd be yeah. like, you're going to send this is, this is a robot with a face on it. You could just like remote control it and drive it around like a tank. But when you give it the ability to like you program it and you tell it, give it a task and be like, Hey, you're going to go here. And this is, you can make it into a whole like, uh, interaction between your kid and the robot mm-hmm. that wouldn't be there if they weren't also understanding the concept of programming a robot. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so you said it was like, it was like physical blocks that you inserted. To yeah, tell exactly. It to do stuff. I they're, like they're, that. they're little, like it was, you had a grid and it had, I think it had like 16 slots and then there was a subroutine that was four slots at the bottom. And then there were all the commands were move forward, move left, or like move forward, turn left, turn right and stop. I think or like wait. And then you had a, the su- and then and then a piece you put in that called the subroutine mm-hmm. and so every slot that had a subroutine call in it then called whatever's in that four block subroutine at the bottom uh, okay. so you had that was all you had to work with yeah but you could do some pretty complex like getting 
from point A to point B and moving around and mm-hmm. traversing a grid. So, I mean, at the end of the day, all you were doing was creating a robot that could traverse a grid. But then you add the storytelling, like, this is the world it's in and here's what you're trying to do. And it becomes a lot more interactive. It seems more engaging. Yeah, exactly. And that, so it's serving a purpose beyond just, at the same time, the kid's going to pick up an understanding of how, like, how sequential, like, coding works and how subroutines work. But it's not that they that that's that's not the only value add from being able to control the robot that way. Okay. So I'll I'll stop asking the question of is this a nece- is this something that we need? No, we should get And <laughs> we, never, we haven't actually answered, we haven't that, answered question. that question. <laughs> but I'm going to change it a little slightly okay. which, into a question of when I was a kid, we had tools like this already. Like we had Meccano, you could build robots with it. We had programming languages you could use. I went to robot camp and they had robot kits with robot languages that you could use to teach kids how to program things. Right. And we had Turing when I got to high school and stuff like that. I, if those existed then and in the last 20 years, we haven't solved the presumable issue that, uh, these are trying to solve, which is that kids don't like programming and not enough of them go into programming. How, are these trying to still solve that same problem in different ways? Like, what are we trying to do with these with these toys? Like, I'm not I'm not sure that that's the problem it's trying to solve necessarily. Like, why? Okay, why do we have to teach little kids how to code? That's my question. I want to teach my why kid. To, I want to teach my kid to code because coding is something that I find interesting and that I get excited about, and I want him to be excited about it too. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's it's purely selfish on my part because I mm-hmm. want him to be hyped about the things I'm hyped. And about. And you don't want to teach him using actual traditional coding techniques you want to use well i mean i i you can get i think that the engagement is going to be a heck of a lot more if he's programming a little robot with a face than if he's writing like QBasic code mm-hmm. right but even programming a little robot with a face does it have to be with like little plastic blocks or with like little playful images that you drag together or like little graphical things like can you not just show him what actual code is like um it depends on when you want to start this kid on yeah can he t- can does he, it can he type <laughs> like does it really need to start then like i don't know like the, the, this is, i don't the, know it, it provides it provides a really easy a relatively easy door for getting kids engaged in programming that you don't get as easily when you're when you're actually working with real pro, like real code it's inter- like, like I am playing devil's advocate throughout this whole thing because yeah. I do want, obviously, because of what I do, my kid to learn about engineering and about coding and how things are made because I I love coding. It's one of my passions. Mm. Yeah, we, but, like, we're going to be a little skewed here. And I don't want to force her into it because that is something I'm very against is sort of like being like, well, I like coding, so you're learning it. Yeah. And so, but at the same time, part of what I'm trying to do here is to understand what the goal of these products is because there's so many of them and they're all pretty much kind of totally different in their approach to what they're trying to do. And like, what is the, what is the problem they're trying to solve? What is the need that they're addressing? Again, I, I'm not sure that I'm, that I look at it from the point of view of solving a problem so mm-hmm. much as if you are going to make a little robot with a face and you have a choice between giving it just a like tank control remote control that it can drive around or giving it a box where you can program code into it though between those two i'd rather you had the one where you can program code into it so that it's you're also learning something while you're doing it yeah i mean it's it's problem solving which you want our kids to learn i mean if, it, if you're just driving a tank around to smash into things because it's cool 
it's not as valuable necessarily. Well, as, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. I'm just saying I'm that. Not, I'm not against just having fun for the sake of having fun, but yeah. I think it's, it's just part of like early exposure. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think it, it doesn't necessarily have to be we're doing this because we see a deficit in kids' engagement in yeah. coding. No. I think it's partially just because this is clearly being marketed towards – I don't think this is being marketed towards people who don't have technical knowledge who want their kids to get technical knowledge. Yeah. It's being marketed against people, towards people who are already excited about coding tiny robots with faces who also want their kids to be excited about coding tiny robots with faces. I mean, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest, I'm pretty sure this product is based at me, not my kid. Like yeah. They, they, they made this uh, learning tool so that people can justify buying it for their kid but actually use it themselves <laughs> like and take it to work and play with it with their their colleagues. Like it's never it, – I don't think it's actually a toy for kids. But that's I, just my my slightly jaded view of what they're doing. Well, I, I, I think I – think Because I'm going to buy it with my own money for myself. Yeah, but it, but in five or six years when, when your kid is that's old fair. enough to actually yeah. be – like to interact with a coding environment – they may very well have a robot with a very similar set of skills yeah. that is robust enough to give to a kid. No, that's fair. I mean, like there, there are, there are definitely robots out there, uh, inter- like robotics platforms that are robust enough that you could give them to a kid mm-hmm. and they're very difficult to destroy. Yeah. And I mean, part of this is also like, I, and this gets to perhaps a greater topic that we can talk about some other day, which is like, how do you, as an engineer, do you, what is your view of parenting and how, you want to raise children, but uh, th- this is also prompted to a certain extent by a recent episode by the ATP podcast where they were talking about uh, their stance on screen time and kids interacting with video games and screens of uh, different varieties as children mm-hmm. and that mm. concept of like, is that good or bad? And is that an actual valuable skill for them to have? Or is it just like is the negative connotation of screen time just basically perpetuated by people who view anything to do with screens as being bad because they're not books, whereas books used to be bad because they weren't literature. And yeah, it's yeah. basically just a progression down that path. And so what I'm trying to basically do is to see if I have innate biases in yeah. terms of how I view toys for children and how we teach kids about stuff. Mm. I, I, yeah, there, there's got to be a question of what you're looking for in terms of value. If if you're looking to have a creative, give them something that's creative to do, like they're creating something while they're interacting with technology, then anything that gives them the ability to code is all to the good because then you're it's you're not just a, like consuming media, you are creating something, you are solving as as Abby said, solving problems, you are getting mm-hmm. just getting immediate feedback on whether you've solved the problem correctly. There's another advantage that I, that occurred to me with the, like the coding languages that are like all graphic and really, really engaging for kids is that at their core, they translate into other languages at a one to one. It's, it's all, it's all yeah. syntax. It's yeah. visual syntax, but you can take a, you can take a kid, teach them, teach them with a graphical coding language and then say, now what you just built here turns into this in C code. And then you can teach like that. That is a nice stepping block to okay. This is how other languages work. Yeah, that are a lot harder to step directly into. And that's the thing. I may be biased, but like when my experience with Mindstorms again, as the person I am now, not as a kid, was my friend got a Lego Mindstorms kit that we wanted to play with, mm-hmm. and so we opened it up and we went into their default environment, which is derivative of LabVIEW, and we were piecing together like a nice little graphical program that would do stuff and had the fun little blocks that would do loops and things like that. And after about 
half an hour or 45 minutes, it was driving us so crazy in how difficult and almost confusing to us it was to piece together a piece of software, we'd immediately switch to doing it in C. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I might be biased, but I feel like if you have the right environment around C, it's not hard. And there's nowhere you need to go afterwards to get into real structures. Like, I think that if you walk through it gradually and introduce concepts in a clear way, you can teach kids to a certain extent how actual code comes together. Mm-hmm. I so, mean, that's, sorry, I was going to, yeah. that's assuming like the first step of the kid knows how to think program like programmatically. Yeah, for sure. But like, you can, you can do that without like buying $200 toys. You can do that just by having activities with your kid to like walk around a room and stuff like that. You can, you you can can write batch scripts in, in DOS Mm -hmm. (laughs) on any computer that's lying around. Well, not any computer, any computer running windows. You can do the command. You don't need a a $200 robot. You can give your kid a set of commands on punch cards and they can walk around and follow them and figure out what they would do if they were a robot. They even get a little robot hat or something like you can do all sorts Mm -hmm. of fun stuff without needing expensive toys. Okay. So the, the, the question has morphed into, do we need these robots to teach kids? Assuming that we think that teaching coding to kids is valuable, which I think we're going to agree that there are probably people who will disagree, but I think like as engineers, we probably agree that teaching kids coding is a good thing. So the question then is, do we need a $170 robot to do it? And, or do we need even a robot? Is it just a question of, could we be teaching them the concept of code in a native environment, like something, an actual, yeah. an actual industrial coding language. Can we get closer to the experience that kids have always had in other aspects of teaching them about the world? Where, for instance, if you want to teach a kid woodworking, you go into a workshop and you woodwork with them. If you want to teach them about, um, I don't know, like electronics, the traditional approach would be you go into the garage and you'd break out a bunch of electronics and you and your kid would put them together and see what they do and Mm -hmm. play with them. And like you would use actual things. Like, I guess the difference is, do you want to teach them this subject or do you want them to explore this subject on their own? That I think is, it's like, that's a big difference. I think you want to do it with them. But I, I mean, sometimes, but you can't always be holding their hand and teaching them woodworking necessarily. I guess not, but that's how it was done and I'm not that that means it was correct, but that's how it was done for a long time. That's how it's always been done. <laughs> no, I know. And, that, and that's the thing. That doesn't mean it's right. But like, I don't know. I used, I learned like how woodworking was done by going into my basement with my dad and we would build dumb little like ships and airplanes and stuff out of wood mm-hmm. that yeah. didn't work, but it was just the process of putting them together. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, so basically my, my, my ultimate question, I think probably comes back to like we were saying, do, we need to have fun toys to teach kids engineering concepts or can we not just teach them engineering concepts in a very clear and simple and gradual way? There's one other, one other advantage to these, like the fun toys kind of, a, uh, is that because they are geared towards children, you don't need to be technically skilled in order to, oh. to share that with your kids. That's yeah. very true. Like we, we are all going to look at cause like at, at Cosmo for instance and say, well, I could teach my kid this cause I know how to code in C, mm-hmm. but, but if I don't, if, if I don't know how to code in C and that, then, then it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And part of it is also like, I think, like, I think I also have this weird innate general gut negative reaction to like, 
this will make my kids smart and they'll excel and be good at school and go to the best universities because they looked at punch cards when they were four. Yeah. It's that whole, like, if you give someone a whole bunch of money, they'll make your kids smarter that I've always been very annoyed by. Mm -hmm. Edutainment has always kind of had a, like, it's, it's always got kind of a stink around it. Yeah. And it it just, it irks me. And so this is, I want to make sure that this isn't again, a trend towards that kind of thing where it's like, if you use these toys, your kids will learn electronics and programming when they're very young and then they'll go to MIT Mm -hmm. where it's like, well, what if first of all, they learn, they don't like it. Yeah. I think that's where it comes into play is, yeah, you play with circuits and you go, mom, this is boring. And then, you discover, I don't know, you learn at a young age instead of, I don't know, going to university and playing with circuits there. Mm-hmm. They could also just think it's dumb. And then they could just think it's dumb. And I guess that basically is also what I've been thinking about as we've been talking about this, which is I think we need more actual, like, interesting longitudinal studies on, like, is, are any of these things useful? Do kids who use these tools actually like coding at the end? Or is it just still an average of, like, some kids do, some kids don't? It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Again, that's assuming that that's the goal. Assuming the goal is to, if you're assuming the goal is to make more engineers, then yeah, you could study that. But I'm not yeah. sure that's necessarily the goal. Or even make better engineers. Like, do they get? Are they any better at coding after using these toys? Yeah, that would be I, that. That would be more interesting to me than rather than whether they're interested in coding. Mm-hmm. Assuming they're already interested in technology and how technology works, I would be interested to know whether the learning curve is better. Like whether they get to proficiency in coding faster through these kinds of tools versus just like picking up a like my first – I'm going to date myself my, – my first QBasic book or something. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. I mean so I guess if you want to summarize generally what our stance is based on this rambling conversation, I think probably it would get tend towards – I mean there's there's the overarching general approach to children, which is that most things you do are fine. Your kids aren't going to end up any worse off. And if you end up having fun and maybe they learn some things and they have a fun experience and they either, even if it's what they learn is that they hate coding and they hate electronics, it's all good. Like it's all a net positive generally. They're not going to end up any worse off from the experience probably. Mm -hmm. My feeling is if, (laughs) if you have a toy and you can give it the opportunity for education without making it a worse toy, then that's good. If if you're making a worse toy for the sake of making it edutainment, then I don't know if that's as good. Like yeah. that, then then you got to decide whether you're actually creating value, and yeah. then you're probably not. And that's probably why I was so weary of this sort of trend was that the the like you said the edutainment taint was mostly because a lot of it was just straight up bullshit. Yeah, a lot and, of it are just really bad toys that parents buy because they think that it'll make their kids smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they'd be in in that case from an entertainment point of view, your loss in entertainment is is greater than your gain in education. Right. So if you can maintain that trade-off, and I think that will be the case with any of these like Cosmo, it'll come out of the box with the ability to do everything that you might that you probably want to do with it. Like it's a it's a good product yeah, without knowing toy. how to code. Yeah. The ability to code is ancillary and it's not ancillary. An- ancillary? Anyway, I've only ever read that word and never said it out loud. Um it's it's secondary to the primary goal <laughs> of having a cute robot that picks yeah. up boxes. Whereas the other things we talked about are probably a different bucket in terms of like, if you actually just have a toy that's sole purpose is to teach you coding. I don't know if that's necessarily. Yeah. Cause if you don't like coding, then it's not a very good then toy. Then it's just a bunch of plastic. No. Yeah, exactly. Then it's dumb. Yeah. Is and that... unintelligent. <laughs> <laughs> 
And on that note, let's talk about what we learned from Kwanzaa. Yeah, now we talked about learning things all all this episode. Yeah, uh, this week Kwanzaa taught me. Uh, well, this is something that I definitely learned in school, but a hundred percent forgot about immediately. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was how to draw a root locus plot. And specifically, you forgot how to draw a locus plot. Oh, was that something you kept in the back of your mind always? Of course. Oh yeah, no. that is a skill that has served me well. You do that daily, right? Root <laughs> locus plots. I, I actively tried to forget how to draw root, root <laughs> locus plots after that exam. So, uh, and I succeeded with flying colors. <laughs> Anywho, yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah. So I relearned how to draw a root locus plot and specifically uh, where to place poles and zeros to make the system stable after drawing the system. Yep. So. Yeah. Thanks, Kwanzer. Thumbs up. Thanks for sponsoring our podcast and continuing to make it possible for us to afford to have technology. Huzzah. Yep. We had to buy new cables. Kwanzer's yeah. buying us new cables. It's sweet. Yep. Yay. So let's wrap up. Cool. Let's talk about our places, our various niches upon the internet. Yeah. So we are at how do you dot engineer or feedback at how do you dot engineer. Yeah. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at how do you Eng. and also on Reddit at slash r slash how do you Eng. and you can listen to our podcast if we remember to update it on Geek Life Radio on Mondays at six p.m. We're getting better at that. Central. We're getting. We promise we'll get better at that. At updating on Geek yeah, Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the plus side, we're always odd. It just sometimes is the same episode back yeah. to back. But yep. th- thanks to Geek Life for that anyway. It's a, yeah. it's, it's a sweet deal. No, mm-hmm. they're pretty awesome. Yeah, they're um, great. And finally, I want to shout out once more to iTunes and the whole fact that five stars makes life better for everyone. You're not really shouting out to iTunes so much as being like, hey, peeps, go on iTunes and give us five stars. Yes, yeah. yes do that. Yeah, I, iTunes gets enough shout outs as it is. Yeah. We, we, we want shout outs from you on iTunes. And I think generally, just to take a little aside, we'd like to hear from people about how they like stuff that we do. Mm-hmm. We got a really nice email from someone about our systems engineering uh, yeah, oh, episode. The email. Yeah, and it made it warmed the cockles of our hearts. Yeah, and even just you know stuff you don't like or you want us to talk about. These are all. We're or happy if uh, even if you just want to say hi, we, yeah, we, we like to know people are listening. Yeah. I mean, we we have we have uh, analytics, but they're kind of like those are impersonal. Yeah. yeah. Also, you never know because it's just a number. It could be I don't know where it comes from. It's just robots listening to us. You should email us and prove to us that you are not bots. <laughs> Everybody email Simon at <laughs> <laughs> at feedback at how do you end? <sighs> anyway, bullet dodged. We love you all. You're the best. See you next week. Peace out, home skillets. <laughs>